Welcome to the Hole in the Wall Business Podcast with Bill and James. I'm James Groves, and along with my business partner, Bill Dement, we want to share our journey as small business owners with you. As owners of Hole in the Wall Drywall Repair for over the past decade, we have learned a few things. From the big wins to the occasional mistakes, we will attempt to peel back the curtain of owning a small business in the trade service industry. We don't have all the answers, but perhaps we can learn from a few things as we navigate the many adventures of owning a small business. Hello, hello, Bill. Hey, good morning, James. How's it going today? Doing good. What a great day. I'm excited about this podcast today. Um, We've got a special guest, John Kennedy from Forge IT Consulting. John, welcome. Thank you. Studio audiences. Oh, they are enthusiastic bunch today. Yes. Um, so welcome. We love to uh, we love to learn a little bit more about you and kind of what brought you to this phase of your life and starting this great company who we've been using for a while now and uh, kind of like what you do. So, so my name, of course, is John Kennedy. I run Forge IT Consulting, and I am an outsourced IT person. So essentially, I work on the IT needs of other small businesses. Small businesses have a lot going on. They are not always a an expert in IT. Sometimes they think they know a little bit to get going, or they uh, you know do the bare minimum that they can think of to just get working. But at the end of the day, that's not what they're in business to do. They're in business to do whatever thing strikes their fancy or they're really good at. And I help them concentrate on doing that instead of worrying about their IT. Right. So one of our kind of ongoing suggestions that we do for small businesses. If we're not an expert in it, I'm trying to find an expert in it so I can outsource it. Right. Exactly. I mean, I'm a smart guy. I, I, we can set up an email address. We can maybe, you know, uh, put together a simple website or something, but I'm not an expert in the newest trends. I'm not an expert in the latest security softwares. Um, And this is where bringing on a company like yours helps. So do you work with a lot of like really small businesses or you really, Gain, you know, giant companies? Honestly, I do the gamut of small business. And of course, I, I use that in the, the more technical term where small business is like 300 employees or less. I do anything in that space. I, I probably don't really handle anybody above 200 users, but anybody all the way down to a single owner operator like myself to 200 users is a perfectly good situation for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike a lot of other um, managed service providers, other IT people, i have found ways to make it work for a single user that I don't need the minimum 10 users or whatever it is that a lot of the other MSPs want mm. in order to work with you. Yeah. So it, it's, it really so, goes So is anywhere. that true? You can, you work with a lot of just individual accounts. Absolutely. I've got several clients that are that way. And, you know, I've got clients that are, you know, two or three people in a back office, 10 people in a back office, or, you know, somebody as big as, a country club that only needs me for something that's really specific. That's mm. super, um, you know, high level. Like they want me to manage their firewalls, but you know, day to day stuff they handle on their own. Right. <clears throat> and they're, you know, it can be anything in between because small business is so varied in what they need from business to business. It makes it really interesting mm-hmm. because uh, you get to find new and unique ways of solving problems at every business because it's always different. So you get a peek behind the curtain in tons of different businesses. Absolutely. I mean, you know, working with, 
you guys, uh, you've got your own back office. I work with a pool company. They've got their back office. We work with uh, a, a realtor, uh, nonprofits. Uh, so that gives you medical. good insight. You, 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 you are experienced in different, different types of businesses. So it gives you some really good insight. Exactly. And, and each individual type of business will have unique challenges, um, unique to them, even outside of their particular business type. But then certain business types will have similar challenges, like medical offices. They all have to uh, comply with HIPAA, and Mm. that is a whole series of challenges that um, you need an an IT professional to handle the IT parts of it. But you also need uh, a a compliancy and uh, legal policy-making expert to deal with the other side of it because it's not all just IT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So we like to kind of start small and work our way up. So if I'm I'm opening a brand new business, it's a carpet cleaning business, it's a pressure washing business, travel business, mm-hmm. um, I can get my own email account, go get a Gmail account, print some business cards up, I'm flying, right? Mm-hmm. What would you recommend for someone like me just starting out doing that? What's kind of the, some of the first steps we should think about from the get-go? So when you're starting out at that stage, you're going to start worrying about branding at some point and you're going to have your name and you're going to want to have a website. Almost certainly that's going to be the first thing you're going to think of. Okay, I need a website that's Mm going to have my brand on it somewhere. While I won't actually build a website, I can be involved in helping you to find somebody that does that. I can also help you in finding that domain that matches your business. Right. And there's a lot of them out there, but at the same time, .com or .net are exceptionally hard to find nowadays. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of other ones that you can get. You can get .us, you can get .me, you can get <clears throat> pardon me, uh, .uh .info. I mean, there's lots and t- lots of different ones out there. I didn't realize could work there were you. that many. Absolutely. Dozens. They're, they're getting more. Is that right? There are literally dozens? Every country has their own yes. to start. So okay. One for every country is a lot. And what is, <laughs> what is the what is the term for that? Is it That is a top-level domain. Top-level domain. Okay, thank you. So the top-level domain, .com, is the most popular because that was the first one everybody was familiar mm-hmm. with. But any of them will really work. You want a .com to get found on the internet and for it to be easy for people to find or use. Because if you tell somebody that your, your website is, take mine, forgeitconsulting.info, they might remember .info or they might think forgeitconsulting.com. And if I didn't own that particular domain, they'd go to the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got to keep those in mind. And that's something you definitely want to talk to with your web designer or digital marketing person mm-hmm. as well. But on top of that, that same domain can be used as your email address. And it's super important to do so because it makes you look more legitimate as a small business owner. It makes you, you know, show that you actually care enough about your business to use your own domain and all of the things that it can be done. So suppose you have uh, several people in the company that need a specific, you know, box, email box, how, how would, can you do that? Absolutely. And, and it's cheaper than you might think. I mean, a, a smaller size business, it's that, that single person or, you know, five or six people group, you're really not needing the, the large licenses from either Microsoft, Google, or somebody else okay. f- to host your email. You can get it away with something that's like somewhere between five and $6 a month per mailbox. 
you're not spending an arm and a leg on it. It's got your domain. Each person has their own separate mailbox and you can add additional email addresses for say something, a marketing email or an info mm-hmm. email. Would there be a limit us. on the amount of uh, emails you could add? No, you can go, it scales perfectly. You can have just one and you can have hundreds. It doesn't matter. It's all, how many of them do you need to pay for? And how many are you willing to pay for? And how many of them need to actually be a separate mailbox? Because a lot of times you can get away with something where, hey, I only need to receive emails at this address. I don't actually need to send anything at this email address. Mm -hmm. I can put it out places and it can go to multiple people. That doesn't need its own so like a, an info or a sales at exactly type that just, you know, find me at info at hole in the wall, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And even if there is somebody that does need to send it at the, at that address, it's slightly more complicated, but it can be done. Mm. And even those things are, I mean, they're, they're kind of, I mean, they were free for us. We've got a few of those Absolutely. that are they're, they're free. Yeah. Um, so I really like the thought of if you just take the time before you go down the road, before you start giving everybody your Gmail address, right? Um, if it doesn't cost a lot of money, okay? And so I'm looking at it from I'm a 16-year-old boy. I'm a, I'm a 21-year-old man. I've got a lawn care business. I'm going to grow this thing. Well, let's start with the end in mind, right? So right. I can get away with a Gmail account if I'm a teenager, but as an adult, if I want to grow this thing, let me just start with, right? So mm-hmm. like, like I was we talking earlier, my wife has got a small little consulting business that she does for accounting. She's got two clients, right? But she, you know, when she set up, instead of getting a Gmail account, I went out and bought a domain name for her business, .com. And it only cost you about 20 bucks a year. Yeah, I think I bought it for like $10 and on GoDaddy. And then I then bought her a Office Outlook 365 account for, I don't know, $12 or something like that. And she now has her email address. I went to Fiverr, finally got a cheap little logo because she only sends out two invoices a month. And But from the get-go, it looks crisp and it looks professional. Absolutely. Right? And doing it ahead of time can really save you a lot of headaches down the road. If you choose to do it on your own, a lot of times you'll get caught by the various different companies that sell domains like GoDaddy mm. who try to bundle a bunch of stuff along with it, like right. email. Mm. For a long time, Google would bundle email for almost nothing because they were giving you a really basic email account. It didn't do any extra syncing with your calendar, or your contacts like Gmail or, or Outlook or something like that would be used to. But they've switched over to doing all of their email with Microsoft Office 365. Mm. Downside is that they're giving you a version of Office 365 where you don't get any access to the admin portion of Office 365. Mm. And as a result, you're stuck with only the add-ins that Google, I mean, that GoDaddy will provide to you through their own system. You're I stuck did, buying everything from there. That. Yeah. So you can't get uh, backups from somebody else. You can't get security from somebody else. It all has to go from, through them. And whatever it is that they'll offer. I'm not even sure they offer backups for your email. They might. But again, you can only go through them. You Mm. can't do anything specialized. And if you ever want to switch out of that, it costs a lot of money to migrate out because you have to set up a whole separate account through either Google or Microsoft. And then you have to move all of the email in every single mailbox to that new account. And it's a giant headache. Mm-hmm. I've had to do it several times. I've had clients that had email because they bought the the email addresses along with their domain. They bought two separate domains and they bought two separate systems for their email. 
they were paying per month double what they should have been because they had separate mailboxes for separate domains where you can absolutely have multiple domains all tying into a single mailbox. Mm. It's it's not terribly difficult for me, mm-hmm. but it's something that's not easy to know if you're not an NIT. Yeah. It's funny because we I, I'm gonna I'm gonna harp on the gmail.com <clears throat> email just a little bit just because when I came in the company we literally, it was like hwdrywall at gmail.com. I mean, that was, that was it. Our work. Well, it's, to be fair, it's all we knew. That's all we knew. Right. I mean, and this was years ago, right? Of so, so things have evolved since then. Um, but it ended up, um, we actually owned the domain Hole in the Wall Drywall Repair. The, my issue was, is that was just, if I say, hey, you know, I'm James at Hole in the Wall Drywall Repair.com, it's going to be, it's just too much. It's just a mouthful. So we, we I went on and bought HW Drywall. Holnowall.com was not available back then, which is now. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and the first thing we did, we got off the Gmail. Now, we still could keep anyone who knew us back then. It would all flow through. Right. It's easy to you set know. up a forward. You can still get all that email if you yeah. need it. But that allowed us to, 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 that was one of the first steps we did towards our professional approach. Right. Um, and if you think with the end in mind, trying to figure out the best. So when we moved to holnowall.com, that's when you came on board with mm-hmm. us. Um, so now everything is dialed into that new domain. We still have all the old domains that are available to us, um, but it allows us to uh, have that look and feel. I was at a meeting this morning, met an amazing guy. He's got a great small business, um, somebody we're going to probably partner with. He said, gave me his business card, and the first thing I saw was a gmail.com email address. I was like, we need to introduce you to John because <clears> – <throat> Don't give me a gmail.com because I know if I see an email come in from a Gmail, that's I may or may not even look at it, right? Absolutely. I get marketing emails from various different companies on a regular basis. And any of them that come in within a Gmail account, I just immediately delete. It's just mm-hmm. I, I know they're not legitimate enough to use their own domain. That means that they don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. as a, a digital marketing uh, account. Now I can understand why some certain types of companies where it's really just your own brand and it's just you and it's never going to be any bigger, like maybe a, a realtor could be on a right. Gmail account. But if you're, if you're trying to build a business that's, that's, you're going to have more than one employee down the road, mm-hmm. you really need to start thinking about that early. Right. And the sooner you do it, the easier it is long-term. So let's talk about the next evolution then. So we, maybe we hire an employee, maybe we, have tablets or laptops or something. Um, what are the next things we should be thinking about as far as security goes, as far as documentation, backing up, whatever the sky's the limit? So backing up is one thing that you want to start even just at just the single person. Um, I want to harp on that a little bit is that Google and Microsoft and anybody else that hosts your email, they don't back it up. You might think they do. You might assume, oh, you know, Google's backing up my stuff. I pay for this account. Of course they're backing it up for me. Microsoft, literally, it's paragraph 6B of their um, you know, the service agreement with you tells you, we do not back up your data. We recommend that you use a third party to back up your data. Mm-hmm. We are not responsible not if you lose that. any of your data, period. So considering how much of your data is going to be in your email or nowadays in your OneDrive or your G, uh, your uh, your Google Drive, mm-hmm. that data is super important to make sure it's backed up because if something happens to it, Google and Microsoft aren't responsible. It's right there in their terms of service. Mm-hmm. So that needs to be done immediately. 
Um, as far as security is concerned for multiple people, once you get past one or two people, then you start to really ramp up the likelihood of being hit with some sort of uh, email scam. We like to call this business email compromise or phishing. Essentially, someone will send an email, make it look like it's from somebody that's inside the company, and ask you to do something that's financially detrimental to your company, mm-hmm. whether that's you know give them money directly, you know pay a fake invoice, wire money someplace. I mean, I I, I worked with a large uh, medical group down in Miami when I was you know working for a different company. And that company got hit with a phishing email that was sent to their accounting department that looked like it was from their uh, president and CEO that was still using his AOL address because that's what he was comfortable with. Mm. And they've wired tens of thousands of dollars of money. Someplace. Oh They're not getting that back. Mm. I mean, once you've wired money, it's gone. I mean, you might be able to tell the FBI and maybe they'll be able to find something, but probably not. These places, these people that send these things out are, know mm-hmm. what they're doing. This is a business. Cybercrime is a business. It's a big business. And in the countries where it's popular, they're never going to get prosecuted. Yeah. I actually was looking, I, my, my parents um, own a, a nonprofit mission group and I manage their, their webpage and I've got protection on it. And I actually got my report today for August and it said that they had had 40,000 failed attempts to try and hack into their email. Mm-hmm. 30,000 was from China. Um, I know of a company who um, was sent a wire notice from somebody, and they emailed, they sent the, to the tune of like $70,000 to a Chinese account. Mm-hmm. Gone. Exactly. It's just gone. And it's just gone. So I've got some friends of mine who are in the title business, mm-hmm. um, as you do, as you do as well. And they always caution: you're not wiring any money until you can verify all the routing numbers and such. So these phishing things and are you got to verify deal. it via phone call. They will not do any business as far mm-hmm. as wire instructions are concerned via email ever. And they'll yeah. tell you that for exactly that reason. Mm-hmm. It's super popular to scam their end users. So the title company knows what's going on. They're protecting themselves. The bank's protecting themselves. And the realtor may or may not be protecting themselves from business email compromise. But the average, you know, um, individual homeowner is probably not. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason why they typically send those attacks that direction, where they're going to send the title company's client an email that looks like it's from the title company and sending wire instructions, and it's, of course, to a bogus location. And unfortunately, the title company can't do anything about it. Mm. This is an email that's coming from someplace completely not the title company. It just looks enough like it that it, it'll fool the you know, new homeowner. Right. <laughs> right. So I know that um, when you're setting up these things, obviously, you, you, if you have a little bit of smarts, you could probably set up a free website on a, mm-hmm. a Weebly or Wix.com. Although you can buy your own domain name and then forward back and forth until you can afford to have someone build a proper website for you. Um, you can even have your own domain and still have a, a very cheap, if not free, website through one of those places. Right. Excellent. And and then phone numbers, do you recommend like not using a centralized number or not, not like, like, a, like a cell phone number or like do you use like a, like a Google voice or – I know we use line2.com, um, and that runs all of our phone systems inside but until we can upgrade to like a big, fat VoIP system. Um, 
But what do you recommend for that? Just for for because it's robocall central out there. We're getting phone calls. It's spam central out there. We're getting spam emails like crazy. Obviously, phishing is a big deal. Do you have any advice on that side of it all? I know you're not really a VoIP guy, but I mean, from phone lines, I I typically tell people, look, I. I personally hate having my personal phone be the same as my business phone. Mm -hmm. I want to know that if somebody's calling my personal number, they're not calling me for business. Right. And so I try to make sure that those two things are separate. Now that doesn't mean that I have to pay for a giant phone system. It doesn't mean that I can't use my individual cell phone to make calls as if they were coming from my business phone number. Um, I have a separate app that does that. And I, as a result, I also have a separate ringtone when in, when a phone call comes in. So I always know the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as it being a big difference one way or the other, I think it's really down to personal preference as far as the phones are concerned. Yeah. I just prefer them to be separate. Um, and I also still like having a, a, an actual phone sitting on my desk when I'm in my office. So right. if right, you right. want that, you kind of need to go with somebody that can do that for mm-hmm. you. But you know, not everyone feels that way. There are people out there that run their business off of their cell phone and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do want them to be separate numbers uh, using a t- service like uh, GoToConnect or um, Nextiva or any number of other companies that, that sell voice over IP, VoIP services, it is a great option. And it's not terribly expensive mm-hmm. for the most part. Well, when we, when we were tiptoeing into this, I mean, literally Bill started with reference back to podcast number one, um, <laughs> you know, a, 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 I call it a burner phone from from yeah. Metro PCS, Metro PCS. Back then. that'll work too. And and that number was the number that I ended up porting it on this internet based system. It's the, it's still the it's core still number of this company. Yeah. all these yeah. years later, and there's no reason why you can't do that. But now we the great thing about with robocalls with you know spam calls and stuff. So I mean, my front office girl was getting 30, 40 phone calls a day from you know robocalls. So parking it on this internet based system and routing it to our phones here, we were able to set up business hours. Okay, we're open between these these hours. After that goes a voicemail. We were able to set up an auto attendant. Mm-hmm. So they can ask for, you know, and, and most of the time the robots aren't smart enough to press the right button exactly. to, get a, to get the operator. The auto attendant is key for that. Mm-hmm. And so that helped us a little bit. It was very inexpensive. Actually, line two, their very first line is free, right? If you want to do some of the other upgrade stuff, you got to pay a little bit of money for it. Um, and I think that's important. You know, and, and it's not really in your wheelhouse specifically, but I think it's important if we're talking about how you start technology in a company, get a website, make sure you're, you're, you're securing your email, not using Gmail, making sure your phone number is not going to ring. Listen, no one wants to get a phone call at 2 a.m. unless you're in an emergency service. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to, you want don't want to do that. Right. Um, and so now we've got devices and we want to make sure that we're not getting viruses on our devices. Mm-hmm. And we're, we want to make sure we're not getting like, tons of spam you know you sign up for a a mailing list someplace they sell your data someplace and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're on 300 people's mailing list exactly monthly you opt in to mailing lists all the time going to various different websites signing up for accounts anywhere they almost always ask for your email address and as a part of their terms of service that nobody reads Mm -hmm. they usually reserve the right to use your email address in any marketing that they want mm. and possibly to sell that to other people for them to do marketing to you. So you're constantly going to get on marketing stuff all the time with your email address. If you use it 
to sign up for anything online. And you can't avoid that. But that doesn't mean you have to get all of those emails in the first place. Um, as I recommended it for you, and as I use myself, I use a service that filters all email before it hits my mailbox. That email is checked for malicious emails like phishing mm-hmm. and for you know uh, files that might infect my computer, or links that might go to malicious websites that might also f- infect my computer. But it, it also filters out a lot of spam. Mm-hmm. And if I'm getting emails that are you know semi-legitimate or look legitimate enough, I can still block them so that I don't get them later with one click. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot better than... Um, what you usually find with uh, a free email account anyway. Right. I'm a little OCD when it comes to like the, uh, the little red number on my phone or on my, you know, if I see I've got... You're four, OCD about a red number on anyone else's phone. I absolutely am. <laughs> um, I, dri- I drive you nuts. You got, you got yeah, 26. I, I can't have unread emails. That just doesn't yeah. work for me either. Yeah, I, that, for the longest time... My wife's phone, uh, uh, I can't listen, look at it. <laughs> Kelly, I love you. Um, the, uh, the, the idea actually... I'll figure. I'll tell you a story. Um, the uh, the idea of, of having uh, an email that's unread to me means it needs to be dealt with. That's how I organized my oh, life. I time. completely so agree. It's one of those. Oh, I still got to work on this. Mark is new, um, and so that that drives me nuts. But when you're getting 30, 40 emails a day or more, um, we just did an expo, a business expo here in town for the Chamber of Commerce. And God bless them, hundreds and hundreds of people came through. They all took my card. And guess what I'm getting right now? Yeah. Hundreds and tons yes. of emails. I have Lots not put on everybody's weekly brochure, everyone's newsletter. Um, having the service that you, that you put in line has absolutely saved me time. And as I'm a business sure. owner, time is money. It absolutely is. And the nice thing is that if you ever needed a report on what how much is it's it's blocking for you, I can give you that too. Yeah. That would be interesting <laughs> to see, actually. Hey, I'll sign you up for the, a weekly report or a monthly report. I so, think that would be absolutely fascinating. Just send it to Bill. I don't want to. <laughs> no, I like that. Yeah, send it okay. to me. Okay, no worries. And, um, I, and I'll let it ride as one of the little red numbers on my account. That's an, un- <laughs> that's an unanswered I won't, email. I won't read it, but I want to see it. I want to see it in my mailbox. I won't read it. Okay. I'm not going to read it. He'll just leave it there for me to look at his phone and go, Bill. Who's, who's this guy, John? What's he sending? What's, what's up with the forge? <laughs> Nuts. So so um, devices are important. So um, this is like what your second time being in our office, I think, right? There's a third time. I think it's third. Like third time. And... But you control, if I have a question, I say, John, I'm having a problem with this. You come in, you remote into my computer, and you you help me dial in remotely. So you can, you can do this pretty much anywhere, right? Yeah, that's one of the nice things about IT services. And one of the nice things about the pandemic silver lining is that everybody got used to the idea of working remotely. Mm-hmm. I had already been doing it for like eight years when the pandemic hit. Right. I still worked for a company that was down in Miami when I moved to Orlando. And I kept doing it because I could remote into nearly any computer whenever I needed to because nearly everything stays connected to the Internet. Mm -hmm. And if you're not connected to the Internet, that's usually the problem that you have that you need fixed, not something else. And so, you know, you got to fix that first. Yeah, right. (laughs) And that's usually something that, you know, the ISP usually has to fix. But, you know, even when it's not, those a lot of times those are fairly simple fixes to get you at least online so I can fix everything else. And um, having software already installed on a computer makes it that much simpler. It means that all you have to do is tell me which computer it is, and I just open it up, and boom, there it is. Mm -hmm. 
And it can be done that way, even for with computers that doesn't have software already on there. There's a link directly on my website that says download remote support now. Mm-hmm. So anytime I've got somebody that calls in that's either a new client or a client that um, infrequently works with me and doesn't want things to be managed by me on a regular basis, I just say, go to my website, download this, and then I'm in within five minutes because uh, that software has been around for a long time. It's been perfected for a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. It's super simple to use. It's really beneficial because having the access to uh, – I'm a smart guy, but I don't know everything – and, and if I'm not here, somebody's got to call somebody to help them, mm-hmm. right? Because right. some days I do take a vacation every now and then. And so what happens if we have a problem? Well, good news is we now got... John never takes vacations. No. Or, <laughs> right. or at least when I do, I make sure that you guys have somebody else to call. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so we do a lot of stuff that's cloud-based. I know, yes. But I remember back in kind of my older companies... Everything was like server rooms. And mm-hmm. and I, I know you have to. If you're a doctor, maybe you're a CPA or something, you have to have some sort of Not even then half the time nowadays. A lot mm-hmm. of them also subscribe to services that do this stuff for them. Um, moving to the cloud is and using software as a service. It's even got its own little acronym, mm-hmm. S-A-A-S with the two uh, S's uppercase and the two A's lowercase. That's what that means. Okay. Um it's become so much simpler to support things. As long as the computer is connected to the internet, the company that you're buying this uh, the service from can help you get it fixed, whatever mm-hmm. the problem is. Because most of the issues are either going to be um, 100% on their end, like the backend stuff, the, the super complicated server stuff, it's already on their end. It doesn't have to be dealt with by you. Or it'll be something fairly simple on your side that they can remote in the same way I do with their own remote access software and get it fixed, mm-hmm. which is excellent. Now, mm-hmm. the people that usually need something that's an actual server that belongs to them is when they're they are using some kind of software that is not available as a service. So it's either something that's super uh, complicated, something that's really old, or something really customized. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just that's a small company and that's just they don't have the infrastructure to, to host it themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Most anything new that's going to come out is going to be as a service because mm-hmm. everything's just moving that direction. And protect your passwords and use really complicated passwords. Yeah. And a common misconception about passwords is that you got to add all these numbers and symbols and it's got to be like not an actual word. And it's that's not the thing that makes a, uh, a password complicated fast. An eight-digit password that is completely nonsense, that has all of those different factors in it, is several orders of magnitude easier to break than a phrase that's like 16 characters, really? all lowercase letters, mm. simply because the length of the password is the single biggest difference and how complicated that password is to break. Mm-hmm. Uh, a phrase is the best way to do it because it's something that you can remember. It's something usually easy to type in because it's you know it, it's something that you would type in as a as a sentence to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, you just type that one in. Now most websites and other things are going to require you to have these other things to help complicate the password um, because the com- complex the complexity of passwords is something that people are conditioned to think is required to, to make it complex, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we initially started with a Google Works platform. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at the time they were cheaper and we were already on Google Chrome and we thought it was the best way to go. But then we started getting these like horror stories of people who were getting hacked. Someone was changing their password mm-hmm. and holding all of their data at, for ransom mm-hmm. for the tunes of the thousands, tens of thousands of dollars at times. Um, and so, which is kind of went out, I was like, I need different protections. I mean, we met in a meeting randomly one day and like, well, I need to talk to you because I'm, I'm really worried. You know, we hold customers information. We have mm-hmm. addresses and phone numbers. We don't keep credit card information, but we, we still have personal information for people. We don't want to get out in the public. No. And plus, most companies do. Yeah, yeah, most companies have, have at least that. Right. All of our employee information is on there. Um, we have a lot of sensitive data. We just don't want to have fair, you know, free, uh, free reign out there in the universe. Um, which is when I kind of brought you in to kind of help us through that. So you've done a great job navigating all this for us. Um, and so we, we really dig. Uh, it, it's a, there was a learning curve, you know, and frankly, still getting a few of the uh, things are going into the spam folder that doesn't belong there. So we've had to work through those processes. But in the long term, this made our world, our world a lot easier. Yeah. When you set it up, when it's um, both secure and works the way that you need it to long term, um, certainly there are going to be some things that might be a little bit irritating versus the way you've always done it. And you might be having a learning curve. But once you get through that, it, it works better long term. And that's the goal is for it to work better. Well, and had we started with it and not gone 10 years and then oh, had to course. migrate through, this is why the begin with the end of mind type solution. Right. If we would have started with that Outlook solution 10 years ago, this wouldn't have been much of an issue. And I'm sure you guys use this phrase just in your own business is um, measure twice, cut once. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the same thing for anything, any, any process that you have. If you can do it the right way the first time, you're better off long-term because anytime you have to go fix it, that's money you're spending that you didn't have to. Right. Well, and frankly, it's, it's, it's the, the, the what equals value is just, it, the bang for the buck, it may cost a little more initially, but long-term is going to save you in the long run. Absolutely. And then really, if you dial it down, we could get basic services, a basic controlled email, a basic uh, phone number. And we're talking 25, 50 bucks a month, you know, mm-hmm. and now you a look professional, you feel professional, you're secure. Uh, and then bringing on a service like you, I know you're not, you're not crazy expensive. If you're a one up one man operation, you're not breaking the bank. Uh, for for to bring people. Yeah, my overhead's yeah. nothing, and yeah. it's been nothing to begin with. But I did all of those security things from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and um, you know my overhead, you know, was less than hundred bucks a month mm-hmm. because I was doing everything out of my own house. Yeah, and that makes a big difference for anybody. And the fact that you can do it for less than that amount and still do it right, still do it safely, still protect yourself, is something that you know most people don't know. Mm-hmm. Because they, uh, who did they talk to? Have they talked to an IT person about it? Probably mm-hmm. not. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to spend as little money as possible to get, just get going. I know what I'm doing enough to to get out there. I'll just handle right. that later. And to an extent, that's true. But at the same time, if you talk to an IT person at the beginning, you can possibly avoid some things that will cost you money down the line. And it doesn't cost anything to ask questions, to mm-hmm. find out. I mean, even if, you know, some, some client, potential client came to me and said, Hey, I'm going to start up my own company. I, I need to do this, this, and this. And, um, 
how do you think I should do it? And I go through this whole spiel of, well, this is the way I would do it. And this is how much it would cost. Even if they say, okay, I'm not ready to do all of that right now. What's the bare minimum? I can pare down to something else that mm. they want mm. and still be able to avoid, you know, at least a few things at, right. the, at the beginning. Like say somebody, you know, is starting out and they would have done a Gmail account by themselves. But if they talked to me, maybe they'd spend that extra $5 a month yeah. to have it with their own domain. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that'll save them a lot of time. And I, I think a lot of small business people fall into, they don't know what they don't know. Absolutely. You know, I, I know in the beginning, I wouldn't have known that was even something that was available. Sure. Um, I do have a question for you, though. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you have to, um, it's an evolving um, world that you live in there. Mm-hmm. And so is there a updating that you need to do to keep your skills up? Is there renewed certifications that you need to do? Or is that, are you just constantly reading uh, for in me, the industry? For me, it's mostly just consuming a lot of news and other information sources that I get on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So I have newsletters from um, my security partners that I read on a regular basis. I watch YouTube videos that are from other people that are in the space that talk about things that are related to what I do. I'm constantly on the lookout for new products and new services just to learn about them to see if they're better than what I'm already using. Um, Certifications, not so much. Um, Traditionally, a long time ago, people would tend to get like Microsoft certified or something if they wanted to a job in, in some kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays it's really not as necessary. The, the, the major thing that somebody that if they wanted to do what I do is experience and the ability to find answers to a problem because in it, nearly everything has already been seen. Okay. It's a problem that's already happened to somebody else. And there's at least one other person out there that talked about it Okay, <laughs> online where yeah. you can go find it, you can research it, mm. find how they fixed it and replicate it. Mm. If you can do those things. So you need to be a bit of a sleuth. Absolutely. You need to be able to find information, research information, and be able to replicate something that somebody else did. That's, the, that's interesting. That's the major, major goal. So I know a lot of people don't come to you until it's too late. They've been fished. They've been hacked. Something's happened. Mm, already scammed. Yep. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, you don't change the oil in your car and eventually you need a new engine. So you got any horror stories you can share? That, uh... Well, I already told you about the, uh, the company that got the, um, the, 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 the phishing email and the wire transfer. But I also had a client that got infected with ransomware. They weren't really running the most up-to-date stuff in their office. They're, Email security was kind of laughable. They weren't willing to spend the money to be secure. And they were running this super old software because they just haven't bothered to get new software from somebody else. It was perfectly customized. It was 100% theirs. It ran off of a DOS prompt. Oh, my. It was old. And they got infected with ransomware. And, you know, the, the ransom came up. Nobody saw it until Monday morning. And on Monday morning, it was asking for a ransom of somewhere in the neighborhood of like two to three Bitcoin. I mean, this was several years ago, so it's not, don't look up the price of Bitcoin and think, oh my God, no, mm-hmm. not, not quite that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still several thousand dollars um, at that time. And then they kind of dithered 
they didn't know what they wanted to do mm-hmm. and they didn't know how they wanted to proceed and they waited. They're like, well, how, how good's our backup? And I'm like, well, the, the backup that you told us to do that can work with your system, we only can back up every week. We can only back up when you're not using it and we can't do it during the week. So your backup is a week old. Okay. So you've got a week's worth of data that we can't recover. Wow. Are you going to pay it? Well, I don't know. They waited a couple of days. Mm-hmm. The price went up. <laughs> oh, no. That's really common in ransomware. In fact, it's way worse nowadays. Nowadays, not only is ransomware going to hit you um, if you want to have your, your files unlocked and, and, and decrypted, but say you're a medical office and that you get hit with ransomware and they you know encrypt all your data. Not only are they encrypting your data so that you can't use it, they're stealing your data. Mm. And if you don't pay the ransom, they will publish the data. Oh, my word. So it, it's it's ransom in a completely different way, and your backup is no longer your protection. You've got to prevent the ransomware before it happens. So, yeah, it, that, one was, that one was bad. It, it took us at least a good week between paying the ransom and rebuilding their server and getting everything back up and running again fresh and brand new because you don't want to trust a, a server that's been infected Right. No. You don't, you don't do I would. That. I would be interested to know though. Did the did the client up update oh, upgrade at that point? They they got they certainly spurred them towards getting new software more quickly. But by the time I left the company I was working for, this company still was on that same software. Oh my! We had upgraded some of their security, but only some of it, and it's it's just kind of sad. Mm. I have another client right now that has an issue where they are in a similar situation with their software as being just really old. Right. They don't have anybody that can support it. If that software died tomorrow, I might be able to find somebody that could resurrect it in some way, mm. shape, or form, but I couldn't do it. It was customized. It was built from software that hardly anybody uses anymore. Mm-hmm. You got to go find somebody that's an expert in it. And those people tend to be older. Yeah. And unfortunately, the one that they were working with died. Uh oh. <laughs> so they don't have anybody anymore. Oh my goodness. Now they've now they're they've got all their eggs in this basket where I've got certain ways to go backwards and, and hope that I can get them working up again. But it, it it scares me. Yeah. Luckily they are working on it. They did pay somebody to do it. It's just it's not done yet. So I still gotta do as much as I can to protect them in the event that you know that goes down. Well, I'm glad you're on our team. I'm glad you're part of our Absolutely. Our, our arsenal of support. Well, I know I'm sleeping a little better at night. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, while we, before we wrap up, why don't you let everyone know if they want to get hold of you, what's the best way to get hold of you? So a um, variety of ways. They can call me directly. I'm mm-hmm. usually answering my phone during business hours. It's 407-318-2671. If you don't reach me and you don't, and you leave me a voicemail, I do return voicemails. Mm-hmm. Voicemails, True. I find, are are one of those things that if you're willing to leave it, it's probably more of an emergency than if you're just sending me an email. So I do answer those first. Emails are another good one. John, J-O-H-N, at forgeitconsulting.com. That's F-O-R-G-E-I-T consulting.com. Or you can go directly to my website, forgeitconsulting.com, and schedule um, a meeting with me directly. There's a link on the website that's to schedule a, a meeting it takes you to a separate website that you can get directly on my calendar and pick a time. Nice. Very good. Well, thank you very much for coming yeah, in, John. Thanks for coming in. Last. Yeah. Had a good time. Uh, thanks very for being part informative. of our team. Very good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. 
We'd like to thank you for listening to the Hole in the Wall Business Podcast with Bill and James. If you would like to learn more about us and our business, check us out at holeinthewall.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, drop us an email at podcast at holeinthewall.com. And if you are interested in a Hole in the Wall franchise, please email us at franchise at holeinthewall.com.